rest, which is different from relaxation and just rest, soul rest. So we hope that you would consider joining us on Monday morning, uh, starting tomorrow with this reading plan. You can scan that QR code, or you can go to the Flag Church app and click on it and, and uh, read with us as we dive into uh, this uh, reading plan. With that, ready for this Sunday's message, which I'm excited about, which I'm looking, I've been looking forward to uh, since, I would say, last August. Um, and uh, it's called Discipline to Freedom. Discipline to Freedom. And we'll be unpacking this over the next uh, eight weeks. Uh, we'll end uh, in February uh, with uh, this series. Uh, but uh, today we're going to be talking about a Christ-centered life. Christ-centered life. New year. <laughs> it's a new year. It's a new beginning. New resolutions. There's a lot of newness that comes with the new year, right? How many of you have, have written down a list of, hey, this is what it's going to look like in the new year? I've, I've already got my gym membership. I'm going to eat healthy I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working out at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I'm going to, I'm gonna stop uh, doing this, this list of stuff and start doing these things. How, how many of you have kind of done that? I have. The rest of you are like, nope, I'm keeping the same. I'm not changing. Okay, this is going to be a really long service. We all make these New Year's resolutions, which is good, because we have good intentions, right? But how many of us know that a lot of them don't make it to uh, December 31st of 2024? We don't even, it doesn't even make it past January, and we're back in our old ways of living, our old habits, our old routines. We, we're excited about the newness, but then we can't get past our oldness. We kind of stay in that all of the, the ruts that we have formed in our life. Did you know that 67% of gym memberships never actually use their membership? <laughs> That's a lot of money being wasted. What does it cost for a gym membership? $40, $50? That's about $600 a year that doesn't get... Okay. 50% of new members quit within the first six months. Because it's tough. You know that 12% of gym memberships uh, are signed up in January. It's the most busiest month for gyms. I, I was actually listening to the, the, the news the other day, and this guy in Joplin, he was a gym owner, and he was talking about how he was hiring all of this temporary help. He said, temporary help, because he knew that he'll be letting them go come February. <laughs> he already knew the process. Maybe it's a gym membership. Maybe it's a eating a healthy lifestyle. Maybe it is managing our finances. Maybe it is uh, family dynamics. Maybe it is how we're going to bring up our kids. Maybe it is the things that we say we're going to stop doing and stop watching and, and the changes that we want to make. But my question is, why do we struggle to stay disciplined? Why? 
Why is there that tug of war? Why is there that constant tension between right and wrong? Why is uh, this frustration that we are constantly failing where we want to do the right things, but we keep failing? I'm not going to unpack this passage of Scripture. One of the things I'm going to do this Sunday is I'm going to give you Scripture. I hope you brought your pad, notepads and your journals or maybe your digital devices. We talked about starting to bring your Bibles to church. I hope, hey, yeah, thanks, Jim. Look at him. He's like, I brought my Does your Bible? Or oh, oh, both of you brought your Bibles. You're not even sharing. Look at you guys. Awesome. <laughs> brought your Bible. He's like, I've got my Bible. And your journals, maybe, as you got your digital device. But I'm going to give you some scripture that you can write down that we won't unpack, that you could take home and you can read this week and unpack on your own and just, and just let God speak to you through God's word, okay? But why do we struggle? I think Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. Hey, I, I write that down. You can go read it. Romans 7, 15 through 20. Paul's talking about this. We constantly struggle. There's this tension, if discipline leads to freedom, how do we stay disciplined? How many of you want to be free in your life? You want freedom in your life? You want freedom in your life? Raise your hand if you want freedom. Let's be bold here. You really want freedom? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you do. Most of you do. Some of you are not sure yet. Um, but we know that discipline leads to freedom. We know that. We know that discipline leads to freedom. But distraction, distractions, like some of you are distracted right now. Some of you just got a, a notification from ESPN saying that the Chiefs are going to lose today. And so, oh, did I? My Steelers won yesterday, so I'm happy. Oh, ouch, finally. But we have distractions. Like I just distracted you, right? Distractions that are constantly coming our way. Distractions that derail our disciplines. Think about our eating habits. Think about our exercising. Think about the things that we say we're going to start doing. We're going to wake up early so we can read God's word. We're going to wake up early so that we can not hurry uh, in the morning and, and rush through the house and, and get a speeding ticket on the way to work. And we're going we're gonna to do all these changes, but then we get distracted. Why do the gym memberships not make it through the year? Because we get distracted. Distractions derail our discipline. What if I was to say that it all comes down to the center? And you were like, what do you mean? The center, the center of your life. It all comes down to the center of your life. A space in your life that God created that is, is key to the flow and the alignment of your life so that you can be disciplined to experience life to the full. There is this place, a space inside of your life, the center of your life, the core, where, where the heartbeat of life is. That someone or something is in control of. The center of your life, that someone or something is in control of. And when that someone or something that is controlling the center of your life is not the right someone or something, it derails you, it distracts you, it causes you to lack discipline. And so you end up looking the same way you did at the end of 2023, or maybe even in a worse spot. So the question for you today is, 
who is at the center of my life? Who is at the center of my life? And who needs to be at the center of my life? So we look at God's word just to kind of help us kind of gain some perspective or to find the foundations of what this could look like. In Genesis chapter 1, we go all the way back. Always, everything starts at the beginning of the book because it was so perfect in the beginning. In the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created it all. He created the heavens and the earth. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For through him, through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He does. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. End of story. That's just a few samplings of God's word talking about who is at the center, who created all things, who it was created for. It was created for his glory. In the, in the midst of this account of creation, there is this amazing throwaway line showing the immense power of God. And it says, he also made the stars. Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. He made the stars. And in and and today's world, we know this because science has figured this out. But we know that there are probably between 100 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone. In just our galaxy. And guess how many galaxies there are? About 100 billion galaxies. And he made them all. The all-powerful all-knowing God. And we just sang it, the great I am. And this God chooses to be present, to be present with you and me. And do you know what the pinnacle of creation was and still is? You and me. You and me. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. You and I were created by this all-powerful God, created by Him, for Him, in His own image. We are the only create, created beings that were created in His own image. And the question is why? Why were we created? To be in deep, vibrant, life-giving relationship through Him to be in this amazing, vibrant relationship through him, to rule and reign creation with him, to be in partnership, to be able to communicate with this God is a, a reflection of the fact that you and I were made in, the, in his own image and we speak the same language. 
Him and, uh, him and us, we speak the same language. We are able to be in communion with this mighty, powerful God. He created it and he said it was good. So I would have to say this morning that he is the center of all creation and he's the center of our lives. On the screen, you will see an image that uh, kind of depicts uh, what God, what God intended when he created Adam and Eve before sin entered. This is how he would have liked to see the way things functioned. Jesus at the center of it all, right? And, and then we have our, you, your intellect, your emotions, your, your thinkings, your desires, your dreams, your goals, the way you function, the way you operate. It's all there, you. But Jesus, that defines that and, and is at the center. Your marriage, Jesus at the center of your marriage, your kids, Jesus at the center of your kids, your, your lifestyles, your social lifestyles, your relationship, everything that you do, who you hang out with, Jesus at the center of that relationship. Your time, the time that has been given to you, the 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days, Jesus at the center of your time. Jesus at the center of your goals, your dreams, your desires, what you want to see attain in life, your finances, your money, the way you spend, the way you operate, the things that you go after, Jesus at the center of it. Your work, your occupation, what you do day in and day out, when you wake up in the morning and you go to work, Jesus at the center. This is how Jesus would like to see it. But if you and I were honest with ourselves and truly examined our lives, we would find that there is this constant tension or battle that is raging inside of us. A tension and a battle to occupy that center space. To be in the center of attention. To be in the center of everything that is happening. To be in control, control of our actions, control of our desires and thoughts, control of our spending, control of our marriage, control of our kids, control of our work, control, control, control of everything. Now, I know you extroverts are like, yeah, that might be me. You introverts are going, that's not me. But let's be honest, introvert or extrovert, you somewhere in there, if you truly look, you will say, man, I want to be in control. I want to be in the center. To be self-centered beings. Self-centered beings. What does that mean? What is self-centeredness? Here, here's, here's how it defines it. It's a single-minded focus on oneself and one's own needs, desires, preferences, and problems. Someone who is self-centered may, uh, may be preoccupied with their own thoughts and feelings and may not... Um, may not be very attentive to the needs and perspectives of others. That sounds like me. That sounds like you. Chances are that sounds like every single one of us. What caused the shift? What caused us to want to be in the center, being self-centered, being rulers of our lives? This next image kind of shows us that. 
the, the message of the Garden of Eden. This is when sin makes us quest for God's position. We want to work according to our will, our plan, our desires. If we look in, at the garden and the story that happened, what did Eve want? She was tempted to have what only God could have, and so she said, I will bite into it so I could be like God. And so we see the shift. We trade places. When we trade places, we end up with this looking image, which is our next image where you're at the center, all so cool and exciting, I get to be in control. And God moves to just a compartment in our life, a checkbox. I'll just, I'll just add God when I need him. I'll just run to him when things get bad. I'll just show up on a Sunday and things will be great. Maybe once a month, I'll be here. Maybe I'll read God's word when, I, when it's convenient. Because now I'm at the center, but I have all these other distractions. My marriage doesn't look as attractive because it's all about me. My kids maybe aren't functioning the way they should because I'm so selfish and it's all about me and what I want and how could I continue to keep doing what I want at the expense of my kids. My lifestyle revolves around me. My time is controlled by me. My goals, not what I want at the expense of every other person. I'll step over anyone to get what I want. My finances, I'll do what I want. Who are you to tell me what to do with my finances? My work. Man, as long as I can make a lot of money, I'll be happy. It all revolves around me. Self-centeredness. But we all know that that's a lie. <laughs> that we are believing. God is still the center of this universe. But when you and I put ourselves there, it only ends in relational brokenness and personal disappointments. And we're all there. I I'm there. I'm there. I've been there. And it's a constant battle. Self-centeredness is at the center of sin's dysfunction. So my question this morning, who is at the center of my life? Who needs to be at the center of my life? So how do I reverse the process? See, Jesus came to reverse that process. Jesus is at the center of needs to be at the center of my life. And so we see this passage of Scripture that we'll be using through this, through this uh, series. Jesus, the true vine, found in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You, will all, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it severs from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
I'm sure many of us have read this over and over again and have heard this passage uh, used in, in, in church. And so I hope you don't just shut it out, but you just let it speak to your heart again in a new, fresh way. And let the Holy Spirit uh, challenge you in areas that you need challenged. But when we look at this uh, portion of Scripture, there are some bold claims and statements that Jesus is making. The first claim that he makes is, I am the true grapevine. I'm the true grapevine. True grapevine. Jesus calls himself the true vine. The, the word used in the Greek for this is althenios, meaning true, real, and genuine. True. By saying this, he makes the claim that there are other vines that we can attach ourselves to that are not true, that are not real, that are not genuine, that are not from him. And these vines could look like work, money, fame, power, sexuality, because we are at the center, so we find a vine that looks attractive, that distracts us, and we attach ourselves to it. So what happens when we do that, and, and, and what is Jesus uh, saying here when we do that without attaching ourselves to Jesus? We want to look at the Old Testament. It is, here is a curious fact, but the symbol of the vine, which actually is referring to the people of Israel, the chosen people, uh, is always uh, in the Old Testament used uh, uh, to define an idea of degeneration. Degeneration. What does that mean? To define degeneration, which is a decline, a decay, a, dis, a decrease, uh, a destruction, a dissolution. And so in the Old Testament, we see that the prophet Isaiah uh, pictures this vineyard as a, a, a vine that is running wild. And the reason he uses that is because this vineyard and the vine has attached itself to the wrong source. And because it has attached itself to the wrong source, it is running wild. And so there's degeneration that is happening. Jeremiah complains that the nation of Israel has started this degeneration process because it is a wild vine. Because it has attached, the nation of Israel has attached herself to things that are other than the true vine. And Jesus said this, you think that because you belong to the nation of Israel, uh, you are a branch of the true vine of God? But the nation uh, it is, is a degenerated vine as all your prophets saw. They all saw in the Old Testament that you were a degenerated vine, but you thought just because you attached the vine that you were all good. And he says, I am the true vine. The fact that you are a Jew will not save you. The fact that you're a Jew will not save you because you're attached to the wrong vine and you are running wild because you're not attached to the true vine. The fact that you are a Christian will not save you. The fact that you're a good person will not save you. The fact that you show up on a Sunday and check the box will not save you. The fact that you just proclaim that you know Jesus will not save you as long as you are not, as long as you are uh, uh, attached to the real vine. You have to be attached to the real vine. Degeneration. To pass from 
a high to a lower type of condition. This is what the dictionary says. To sink into a lower intellectual <laughs> or moral state. Does that sound a little like the society we live in right now? A vine that is running wild? To decline in quality, quality of life, quality of intellect, intellect quality of anything that we do. And, and then they, it ended with this statement, a sexual pervert. A sexual pervert, degeneration, brokenness, because we attach ourselves to the things of this world that are not the true vine. So this morning, who are you connected to? Jesus said, I am the true vine. Then he goes on to make this statement, my father is the gardener. He cuts every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That cuts every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Why does he use the word of mine? <laughs> of mine. That means that a person was at one time connected to the true vine, but Somewhere in the process, they chose to get disconnected from the vine. And because they got disconnected from the vine, they were not producing the right kind of fruit because the, 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 the nutrients that was coming now was coming from a different source and the fruit looked different or there was no fruit. And so, Jesus moved from being at the center, and we have this image here that we'll put back up so you can see this, but Jesus moved from being at the center to being a compartment in their life. He used to be, he says, the father cut away every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. See, Jesus is referring to two categories of branches, two kinds of people, the ones that produce fruit and the ones that did not produce fruit, the fruitful and the fruitless. So let's look at the fruitless branches first. Are the branches that never produce fruit or have stopped producing fruit? They are once were connected to the true vine of Jesus. They were connected but something distracted them and they got disconnected from the vine and they reconnected to a false vine. And the fruit is now not being produced. The nutrients were coming from the wrong source. We need the nutrients, the right nutrients to flow from the center, from Jesus into every compartment of our lives. But in this image, the nutrients are flowing from my thoughts, my decisions, my desires, my wants, my needs, my self-centeredness. And so every part of my compartments are starting to kind of fall apart and become this wild mind. Our lives start down a path of degeneration. Eventually, 
they are cut away from the vine. There is this belief that goes counter to this passage of Scripture. And I want us to be very careful that we don't believe this. And there's this belief that when we are sa- once saved, we're always saved. Does that line up with what Jesus is saying? I'll let you kind of wrestle with that thought. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. A practice of sinning. If you're a God's, if God's child, but you're continuing to sin, but then he goes on to say, for God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot snatch them. Yes, he holds them securely, and the evil one cannot snatch them as long as they don't keep sinning. And when we're not connected to the vine, we keep sinning. How would that work in our marriage? Oh, I've just got married to you, but mm, I'm just going to go do my thing. Will that work? Or how will that work in your job? Hey, you just hired me. I'm awesome. You're going to pay me maybe what? I don't know. I'll just throw a number out at 60000 a year, but I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'll just show up whenever I want. I'll just uh, do my work on my side, and, 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 and you'll just keep paying me. Does that work? How does that work for you if you're a college student? Oh, I enrolled in college at Pitt State. Man, it's a four-year degree. I'll show up uh, just in time to receive my cap and gown. I'm not taking any of the classes. How would that work? But we expect that to work in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation is the starting block of our relationship. It's a marathon race that we run. In our relationship with Jesus, we're either growing or we're dying. We're either being strengthened or we're being or declining. We cannot rely on our past decisions to keep us growing. We need to stay connected to the vine. Stay connected. Here are some passages that I'll throw out there for you to go research on your own, but it'll be on the screen. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, uh, you'll see that in Romans 8, 35 and 39, just some work for you to read through and process. But here's what I want you to understand. God gave you a choice to pick him, to choose him, to step out of darkness and step into the light, right? God gave you a choice. Do you agree? You chose to do that, right? You still have that choice to walk away and be disconnected from the vine. So don't believe a lie that once saved, always saved might work and I can just do whatever I want. It's your life, your choice. And the outcomes, they're in your hand based on if I'm connected to the true vine or a false vine. So how do I stay connected? Remain in him. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
We have to remain in him day in and day out. It's called abiding in Christ, abiding in the Father that loves us, abiding in a Father that has the most amazing blessings for us, the gifts that he has for us, the new life that he wants to bring, the transformation, the healing, the restoration, the image of Christ that wants to shine through us, that radiates from us because we are abiding in the presence of Christ day in and day out, attached to the true vine. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to Jesus, He comes and we gain eternal life. That is the beginning, and it's centered on a relationship with Christ, a relationship that happens day in and day out. The secret of life with Jesus was that He was connected to the Father. If we read scripture, we see Jesus went away, and we'll talk about that next week about solitude, but Jesus went away and he spent time with the Father before he went to do what the Father had asked him to do because he was in the Father and the Father was in him, and so he reflected the Father and he did the will of the Father and the Father took care of him and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Because he abided with the Father, he was attached to the vine. We're called to do the exact same thing. He withdrew to solitary places to meet with the Father. We must keep connected with Jesus. We cannot do unless we cannot do this unless we are delib- deliberate to take the steps to do it, to have a discipline to do it, a discipline that leads to freedom. The disciplines that we can put into place starting in 2024 to spend time reading and studying God's word so that his truth gets into our hearts and minds and continues to be the guide to our lives. Psalms 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The only way we can't sin is if we hide His Word, God's Word in our heart, and it starts to radiate and lead and direct us in the ways of Jesus. Discipline number two, to maintain a positive habit of prayer, which involves conversation and listening. Two ways. Sometimes it's listening before the conversation with the Father to draw strength from Him. Thirdly, obeying his commands, praying, uh, 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 praying them into, put, sorry, uh, putting them into action. The book of James, James chapter 1 verse 22 talks about this. Don't just look at my word, but put it into action. Uh, live it out. P- apply it in your life. Let it start to transform you because you're applying the word of God, not saying, man, that is an amazing word. Good for you. No, I need it. I need to apply it. James chapter 1, verse 22, you can read on it, read uh, through it at home. Keep our lives spiritually clean with the help and prompting of the Holy Spirit that resides inside of us. When we are connected to the vine and we abide in Him, He says He will what? Abide in us. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and prompt and lead us and direct us in all of what we just talked about and in the disciplines that we just talked about. When we remain in Him, He promises to remain in us. I'm going to show you this video.
The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the tree of life. So what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it, or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush? where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way, but Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. 
So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden. Which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. Would you stand with me? the eternal hope in Jesus Christ. What would your life look like in 2024? What would it look like at the end of 2024? What disciplines would you hold on to? Will you come to the tree of life? Will you abide in this tree? You eat its fruit and let its fruit transform you and flow through you to produce a beautiful fruit that Jesus wants to produce in and through you. Will your life be a, a beautiful aroma, a fragrance that rises up to heaven because of your abiding with Jesus day in and day? Spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, obeying what you read, letting the Holy Spirit prompt you. Or would you continue to be distracted by the attractive trees of this world that are trying to derail the discipline that God wants for your life? A discipline that brings freedom or a distraction that destroys. The choice is yours. No one can choose for you. I've got to choose this for myself every day. You get to choose this for yourself every day. But our choices have eternal implications for ourselves. And through our choices, our marriages, our families, our kids, the next generation is imp impacted by our choice. So this morning, I want to give you the opportunity with every eye closed and every head bowed. Maybe you've never attached yourself to the tree of life. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never stepped out in faith and said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm a broken, sinful person, and I need you to come and take center stage in my life. I need to trade my centeredness to centered, self-centeredness to you and let you be the center of my life. And you've never done that before. If that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning with every eye closed and every head bowed just to raise your hand and say, that's me, Jesus. I need that in my life. Never done it before. Very first time, that's me. I need that in my life. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Very first time. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Very first time. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Man, Jesus is smiling this morning. There are some lost children coming back to the family. 
here's my second call. You're here this morning, and you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, but somewhere in the process, you've kind of taken it back. You've kind of gone back into the center, and he's kind of compartmentalized on the side. And maybe the fruit has stopped producing. Maybe the life has started to get a little dry. Maybe the branches are starting to look a little withered. And you don't want that. And this morning, the beginning of 2024, you want to recommit. You want to ask Jesus to come back and be the sinner. Because everything flows from that. Everything we talk about for the next eight weeks flows from that. If he's not at the center, every other discipline is going to be so hard to navigate. If that's you this morning, you're saying, you know what? Yes, God, I, I need you back at the center. I need you back there. I need you in that center seat. That's you. Raise your hand right now. And you're just raising it to Jesus and just hold it up there and say, yeah, that's me. I need to realign my life with Jesus. I need to resurrender the spaces, the compartments of my life to Jesus this morning. And you know what? Jesus doesn't, he comes running. It's like the prodigal son coming back and the father comes running and he throws his garment. And we've talked about this, the garment of grace, the beautiful, beautiful garment that he throws on you. There's no guilt. He says, yes, my child, you're back. I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. Let's walk this journey together. That's what happens. Yeah, he sees those hands. You can put those down. And so I'm going to pray this prayer with and I uh, ask for you to all pray it out loud after me. Repeat it after me. For those that are praying it for the very first time, or maybe you're praying it as a man, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin, and I turn towards you. I give you all of my life, all that I am, all that I have, and all that I hope to be. I am yours. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And if you gave your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, I want to encourage you to find that you card in the front of your seat pocket. Spill out that card. Mark committed my life for the very first time and stop by our next steps booth we've got a bible for you we just want to celebrate you one of the pastors will be in contact with you but we are glad that you did that this morning jesus is celebrating this morning thank you for being here we'll see you guys next sunday god bless you